My name is David, if you didn't catch it on the way in. Um, I am the, the lead pastor here at the church. If you are joining us online or the radio, uh, if you're new to Christianity or exploring Christianity, a special welcome to you. I hope that you feel at home here. Uh, my desire, and I hope that all of our desire would be uh, to hear and experience Jesus, uh, whether that be through the worship, through the message, or maybe even just through conversations that you have with people this morning. Uh, we are in our summer teaching series called Church 101. And we're kind of going back to the basics, looking at why do we do what we do in the church. And we're looking at some of the core elements that we do. And so today we are looking at prayer. Um, if you've missed any of our previous ones, we've looked at uh, things like what is the church? Uh, why do we have church leadership? Um, last week we did why do we preach? And so if you've missed those, you can uh, find those on YouTube and online. But this week we're asking, why do we pray? Um, and I'm pretty excited about this one, uh, spe specifically because I've had to work through my own life a lot of misconceptions of what prayer is. Uh, and I don't believe I'm alone in that. And so hopefully this morning you'll come out with a better understanding of what prayer is um, and, and hopefully a desire to engage it through your week. So what is prayer? Well, a simple definition would define it as talking to God. Um, prayer is not actually unique to Christianity. Almost all religions have prayer as a major part of practicing their faith. Um, what's more interesting, I was reading a study uh, by the BBC that reported in a survey that 30% of atheists and agnostics, so those who, who deny God, um, at some point in their life prayed. And I'm guessing it's usually in desperation. And you see that often in movies where um, there'll be a scene and, and someone's in trouble and, and they'll often be followed by, um, Lord, help me, or they'll start praying and it's usually followed by, and if you do this one thing, um, then I'll go to church or I'll be a good person and all that sort of thing. So we see it all around us. Now, here's what we know and believe in Christianity is that God is listening to our prayer. What's more amazing is that God actually answers our prayers. The God of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of Lords responds to you in prayer. And probably most of you have had things in your life where God's answered prayer. Now for me, prayer was something incorporated at a very young age. Um, I grew up saying a prayer like this every night. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And maybe some of you have prayed a prayer like that as a nightly routine for a lot of us, prayer has been a routine in our lives. But maybe for some of you, prayer has only been a routine. You've memorized the words to say, the scripts to recite, but it's only just been words. It's been lacking some power, and, and it's, it's not been much more than that. Maybe others of you, you've prayed and, and feel as if God's just not heard your prayer or answered your prayer in a long time. And so I want to say that you're not alone in any of those things. And, and at different times in my life, those things have been true. And so I think that's why it's really important today that we look at what is prayer? Why do we pray? Why do we pray? What is the point of praying? And how does it work? And so uh, my hope would be, as we study today, that it would, it would lead you from a stagnant routine to a life-giving practice that your soul craves and desires. So if you have a Bible, open up to Matthew 6, 5 to 13. And we're going to ask the question, what is prayer and how do we pray? Matthew 6, 5 to 13. We're reading from the CSB translation. It 
And it's, uh, it's disciples asking Jesus the same question. How do we pray? And so verse 5 in chapter 6 says this. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you even ask him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, notice that prayer is something that's taught. Like it's something that we learn as Christians. How do we pray is, is the question that they were asking. And Jesus proceeds to teach the, the disciples. And, and so um, if you're not a great prayer, here's the good news. Prayer is something that, that honestly doesn't come natural to most. It's something that you actually have to learn. It's something that as a disciple and as apprentice to Jesus, that you actually have to practice to get better. And, and Jesus teaches us exactly sort of the template of how to pray. And that's why it's so important that we study prayer. There are many things that we learn about prayer from this passage. And so we're going to look at three things. First is we're, we're going to look at what prayer is not. Second, we're going to see how Jesus teaches us to pray. And then third, we're going to understand how prayer actually works. Um, so first idea, prayer is what prayer is not. Verses 5 and 7 kind of give us a picture of what prayer is not. Verse 5 says, Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. So first thing is that prayer is not a performance. It is not so that people can look at you and think, wow, you are so holy or so connected to God. If you're praying to be seen by people, you've missed the point of prayer. Now, as I was working on this sermon this week, that verse kind of kept going, like dwelling in my mind. And as I thought about this idea that Jesus is calling out, I think the sin can actually manifest in two different ways. Because I had a hard time specifically relating to that, that example. But something about it still resonated. And so I began to ask, what is the root sin that Jesus is, is looking at in this, this verse? And, and the root sin is people-pleasing. And it affects the intentions of your heart. And so either you love to see what, you love to have people see you, or you are fearful of people seeing you. Both have to do with caring deeply about what other people think of you. Um, so what were the hypocrites doing? They were praying to get praise from people. And what was the reward? It was the praise of the people. And that's what they wanted and that's what they got. But on the other end, and here's where that same sin can manifest itself too, is pleasing people can come out in fear. Meaning, when you're so concerned about what people think about what you're going to say, that you never engage in prayer in, in corporate settings. And that's what resonated with me, and that's, that's things that, that I've had to work through in my life. Now, notice that the sin Jesus is calling out is not praying corporately. And sometimes we can read that as a bit of a misconception, that, oh, we're never supposed to pray with anybody. 
Um, but that's not, that's not what he's saying. The sin he is calling out is the intention of your heart. People-pleasing is a heart issue. Are you actually praying to God or are you praying to receive people's praise and affection or are you not praying because you're so afraid of, of what people might think of you? Both the fear and the praise of people can distract us from engaging in authentic prayer to God. Do you see the difference? And so Jesus is saying in this verse, stop caring about what other people think because in doing so, you're not actually praying to God. So prayer is not a performance. It's not about how well-spoken you are or um, the words that you say or what people think about you. It's about honesty and vulnerability towards God. It's about humility and expressing your actual heart towards God. Now, the second thing that prayer is not is based on how many words you say. Verse 7 says, When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. For some reason, we have it in our minds that prayer has to be long and drawn out, and you have to repeat yourself a hundred times before God hears you. Here's the deal. God hears you. In fact, he knows exactly what you need before you even ask him. And it says that in verse 8, don't be like the Gentiles because the Father knows the things you need before you even ask him. So before you even come to prayer, before you ask God anything, God already knows what you need, which is kind of comforting because there's times where you don't even know the right things to ask. But God does, and he knows exactly what your heart is asking for. Now, the Lord's Prayer is a great example of what it means not to babble on because um, it's so straight to the point. And you know what's interesting is the Lord, Lord's Prayer takes less than one minute to pray. And Jesus says that this is the template for how you are to pray. Babbling on or adding more words that, that doesn't really add anything to what you're asking doesn't equate to God hearing you more. And so here's the deal. You can be straightforward with God. Pray honestly and pray straightforward to the point. So prayer is not pleasing others. It's not a performance. And prayer is not answered based on how many words that you can get out. So then how do we pray? Well, first Jesus starts by telling us where to pray. Verse 6, uh, he says this. And, and he says that, that prayer, where you pray matters. When, but when you pray, go into a private room shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. We're called to pray in secret, which is interesting because it, it confronts, first of all, that, that first thing, that, that praying in front of people, um, the, the people pleasing, it gets rid of that. By going by yourself in a private place um, gets rid of any of that. You can be much more vulnerable, much more honest with God when you're not worried about other people hearing you. And so Jesus says, go to a private place, shut the door so no one can see you or hear you and pray in secret. Secret meaning also you're not bragging about it. You're not going after or before saying, um, bragging to people that you're going off to pray. Instead, your energy is all devoted to God. Now here's the problem. For a lot of us, being alone in a room, just you and God is probably a rare and uncomfortable and possibly even an awkward thing. And here's the, the other thing is that there's endless excuses we can make to not pray. Like there's many, well, I don't have enough time in a day. 
well, here's would be my response. Let's take some of the screen time and borrow from that. Well, I don't like being alone with my thoughts. No one likes being alone with their thoughts. Um, embrace the awkwardness. Well, I'm just too tired to spend time in prayer. The Lord's Prayer will take you less than a minute to pray. Less than one minute of your time. And there's always an excuse to not pray, but prayer is really important. And here's the thing. You need to almost view it as a privilege. You have a privilege of having a conversation with the the God of the universe, the king of the universe, the author and creator of life. For me to have a conversation with the queen of England would never happen in a million years. I would never get that kind of access. Yet I have a greater access with the king of the universe, the king of kings. So prayer is a privilege that we have as Christians. To go back into a room and spend time with the Father is what our soul needs. And it's a privilege that we have, are able to do that. And so here's the challenge for you this week. Pray, try praying in secret. Like don't advertise it, don't brag about it, but go into your, your back room or wherever is a private place and just spend a few minutes praying with God. And, and what's interesting is the first says that God will reward you in secret. I had this happen to me a few years ago. I decided to go to a cabin in the woods um, all by myself on a prayer retreat. And there was no people, no cell service, no internet, just me and God. And I went with all these sort of expectations of what was going to happen. Um, and so I started to pray uh, and I was excited for God to answer all these questions I had. And after about an hour, I realized that I had prayed every thought that was in my brain. I had nothing left and to add on to that, God had not really answered any of the prayer that I, would, that I came in with. Um, and so I was a bit frustrated, um, and I had a lot more time still left. But I kept pressing in, and so I opened my Bible and just started reading. And God revealed a verse to me that talked about who he was, and, and it ended up being a verse that I dwelt on for the whole rest of the time. And, and what I realized after the fact was that God rewarded me in showing me what I really needed in prayer, which was a deeper understanding of who he was. It wasn't to have all these questions answered. It was to understand deeper who God was. Point being, God may do far more than what you expect when you go to be with him alone, when you go to spend time with God, when you pray in secret and go expecting that God's going to do some powerful things in your life. Now, I want to clarify, because it almost sounds like we're never supposed to pray with people, which is not true, nor is that even a pattern of Scripture. Um, corporate prayer is very much an important and necessary thing as Christians. But again, you got to look at what Jesus is addressing as a heart issue. You can pray in secret with other Christians. And so this is a verse not saying that you don't ever go pray with other people or that you don't pray in corporate. Otherwise, we wouldn't pray up here or anything like that. But again, Jesus is targeting the heart. And I know that, and this is how I know that, that Jesus' prayer is to be corporate. Is if you look at the Lord's Prayer, it's plural. It says, our Father, give us our daily bread, forgive us. He's teaching it as if we are praying it corporately with one another. And I believe that's intentional. Prayer is both individual and it's corporate. 
Now, how do we pray? Well, let's look at the Lord's Prayer as sort of, we're just going to walk through it really briefly and explain the different elements that, that happen. And this is kind of the template for how we pray and how we can write our own prayers or pray our own prayers. So if you follow along in the Lord's Prayer, the first stanza is, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Prayer should begin by a praise and a commitment to who God is um, and his holy name. And it it acknowledges that he is transcendent above everything on earth. At the same time, you're acknowledging him as father. You're acknowledging that he is personal and that he is loving and that he cares for you. So when you pray, start by just acknowledging who God is. Our father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Next one is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom coming is a ref- referring to God's spiritual reign on earth, which Jesus established in his earthly ministry. To pray that is to also pray that more and more people would be a part of that kingdom, that his kingdom would come by people giving their lives to Jesus. To pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is to pray that God's perfect purpose which is a mystery to to a lot of us, will be accomplished, even if we don't see what's what's the direct result. And so when we pray, we acknowledge that God is building his kingdom and that his will will be accomplished on earth. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. And this is the part of the prayer where we ask for personal needs uh, because God does want to hear our personal needs. Our God is a provider. He provides for us and and we don't need to worry, but that's not to say we don't ourselves, like don't do anything. Um, We are called still to work and to uh, provide for families or ourselves. It's not to say don't do anything. It's to say, um, put credit where credit is due. God is the ultimate provider. He's the ultimate sustainer and that everything that you have is because of him and because he loves to provide for his children. And some of you today, maybe that's the prayer you need to pray. Lord, would you provide for me this month? Lord, would you provide me for just today? Verse 12, and forgive us our debts and as we have also forgiven our debtors. I say this all the time, we forgive because we've been forgiven. The specific way of praying challenges actually the selfishness in us. We cannot ask for forgiveness from God if we are unwilling to forgive others which is strategic in the way this is laid out. Which if you go down to verses 14 and 15, which we didn't actually look today, it says, if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. So when you're asking God for forgiveness, you also need to do some self-reflection and ask, who is it that I need to forgive? Because Jesus has forgiven me. And so as much as that we receive mercy, this prayer reminds us that we need to extend mercy to others. 13, and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this is one where I've seen Christians kind of get caught up in the language um, because it almost sounds like God is tempting us, but God doesn't tempt us. Uh, And this is where the original language matters. The Greek word they translate to temptation does not mean to entice evil, which is what we kind of in our English language think of that word. Instead, it is more along the lines of testing, And sometimes God allows people to be tested. But the testing is never without a purpose. 
God is always working to refine his people, to teach his people, to depend on him, um, to strengthen their character to be more like Jesus. And that's always the point, to become more like Jesus. By the nature of praying that stanza, you are realizing your sinful nature and your need to depend on God in the face of temptation when it comes. He is the one that will deliver you from that evil. And so in brief, that is kind of like the template for how to pray. And so if you're just learning to pray, or you're not very good at praying and you want to learn how to pray, I would encourage you to use the Lord's Prayer as a template. Modify it to be your own prayer. Make it personal. Be specific to your own situations. It doesn't need to be complicated. It just needs to be honest and authentic toward what you're actually asking God. So we've seen what prayer isn't. And we've been shown by Jesus how to pray. Now I want to shift gears a little bit and ask, how does prayer actually work? Like what happens when we pray? And so we're going to go a little bit more into theology for a moment. Um, and so stick with me. First thing that happens when we pray is that it can, it can change the way God acts. James 4.2 says this, you do not have because you do not ask. What that means is that failure to ask actually deprives us from what God would have otherwise given to us. And sometimes we just don't get things because we just never asked. And it's not that God didn't know that we wanted those things. It's just sometimes we just didn't ask. Um, I had this um, as an example. There'll be sometimes where I'll make um, a really great snack. And here's the thing. Sometimes I'll make Anna the exact same snack and I'll bring it to her. Other times, though, I'll just make myself a snack and I'll go and sit down beside her. And uh, she'll ask me, why didn't you make me that snack either? And, uh, and here's the thing. Deep down, I knew she wanted it. But sometimes it's just really nice to be asked. And so I'll usually go after her and make it for her anyways. But sometimes we just got to ask um, because... Um, because God uh, will give you something um, just because you didn't ask. Now, if you need a biblical example of this, the Old Testament is full of them. For example, back in, in Exodus 32, the Lord declared to Moses that he would destroy Israel for their sin. And, and God told Moses he was going to do this. But Moses went to prayer and he asked God, please don't destroy Israel and what was really interesting, um, and you can, you can read through this uh, on your own time, God decided not to because Moses prayed and asked God not to. Praying changed God's action, which is kind of a crazy thing. Another verse, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Notice it's if we confess, he will forgive. God is waiting for us to confess first. Then he will forgive. So prayer has the potential to change the way that God acts in situations. Now, the second thing that happens when we pray, and this is really important, is that prayer changes us. Richard Foster, who wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline, says this, and quote, to pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of our lives. The closer we come to the heartbeat of God, 
the more we see our need and the more we desire to be conformed to Christ. Prayer changes us. Prayer conforms us to be more like Jesus. And prayer is where we begin to think the things that God thinks, where we begin to desire the things that God desires, where we get to love the things that God loves. And so we pray with humility and with openness and with open hands to see the things from God's point of view. And so no matter where you start, because we all start on different um, places in our faith, God meets us exactly where we are at and slowly moves us into deeper things. And that's why we need to seek God in prayer as much as possible. Now, here's the question. How is prayer even possible? It's possible because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. At the fall, we lost our privilege to come to the Father. But in Jesus, who blood covers our sins, who sacrificed on the cross, has forgiven us of our debt in exchange for his righteousness, has become our mediator to God. Meaning Jesus has, has bridged that gap, that, that, that slice between both of us that we could not do ourselves, which is why we can bring our requests, which is why he will hear our prayer, and which is why he will ultimately answer our prayer. Because Jesus is our mediator to the Father. Our prayer filters through Jesus. Now I want to wrap up today by addressing a question that lots of people ask. Especially lots of Christians. Why hasn't God answered my prayer? I've been praying and praying and praying and God hasn't answered my prayer and some of you are here today and that has been you and you're feeling like maybe you've, you've prayed and you've prayed and just it feels like God has been silent or, or he just hasn't answered it. And so I was doing some reading on that this week because that's a tough question. Um, and, I, and I read a response from a theologian named Grudem who answers this question really well. He says, sometimes prayer goes unanswered because we do not know how to pray as we ought which comes from the verse Romans 8.26. We do not always pray according to God's will, James 4.3, and we do not always ask in faith, James 1.6-8. And sometimes we think that one solution is the best, meaning like we have an idea of how that prayer should be answered, but that might not be how God plans to answer that prayer. I've used this quote a few times before, um, and it says this, God will either give us what we would ask for in prayer or give us what we would have asked for if we knew everything that he knows. Trust that God knows what he is doing and that there is a purpose to why you are going through what you're going through, even if it seems like God hasn't answered your prayer. Now, here's the challenge for us today. Pray. Spend time this week, even if it's just a few minutes Go into a secret place uh, and pray to your Father who will see you in secret. Use the Lord's Prayer as a template uh, for writing out your own prayers or just pray that prayer to start with. Build up that prayer muscle. Um, it's something that you do have to work on. It takes, um, you know, think about a marathon. It takes months of training to be able to run a marathon. You don't just run a marathon. Um, prayer is similar. You got to work at it. You got to build that up so that you can be a prayer warrior. Now I'm going to invite the uh, worship team to come back up. And as we transition to worship, um, 
I'm going to do things a little different. Instead of me praying, we're all just going to stand up and we're just going to recite the Lord's Prayer out loud together. And then we will continue into worship. And so I'll have it on the screen there. Um, you can recite it in whatever translation you've, you've memorized it in. But I'd love for us to just say the Lord's Prayer as a congregation together. So would you stand up with me? The words are on the screen, and would you, would you say this out loud with me? Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen.